Hello everybody and welcome to the Banter Podcast, this is episode 25, this is your host Ben Cohen, I'm here with my co-host Mike Luciano. Mike my friend, how are you this week? I have a bit of podcast withdrawal, as we we missed everyone last week, Uh, we could just not get our stuff together to record one, but you know what, we're back at it today and uh, I am in good humor, Um, I... There's a very special kind of Trump supporter uh, that was present for his rally uh, in Pennsylvania last week. And I just want to set the stage. I'm going to play a 10-second clip of this gentleman. This man is wearing a MAGA hat, an American flag jacket, a Trump T-shirt, and he's got a really long beard. And I just want to share what he had to say. I'm not kidding. I truly believe that Donald Trump was sent by God. True. He's, he's not perfect. He's a sinner. But if you read the Bible, so was Moses. So was David. So was everybody. So, Ben, I just want to get your immediate reaction to that. Well, I, you know, I mean, I think he's got a point, you know. I mean, he makes, some, he makes a compelling argument there. <laughs> that um that that some 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 characters in a in a uh <laughs> a bronze aged um uh barbaric religious text were were dickheads and therefore our president is a dickhead too so therefore trump is okay and he was sent by god i'll i'll tell you my reaction if trump's been sent by god i don't want to be anywhere near heaven i wouldn't go to heaven if it was on google maps i would be all set with whatever kind of celestial operation produces Donald Trump as the answer to our problems. I don't care if they have free alcohol. I'm not going. I think it's a pretty, yes, I think for, for every sane, moral, decent person out there, uh, whatever religion allows you to justify support of somebody like Donald Trump cannot be, by default, cannot be a good religion. And in this religion's version of heaven, yeah, you can count me out of that one. I, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to uh, I wouldn't want to show up anywhere where Donald Trump is welcome. Heaven would mostly consist of Trump, Christian rock bands, Jerry Falwell Sr. Uh, I'm just all set with that scene. Jerry Falwell Jr. Jerry Falwell Sr. I mean, Jerry Falwell Jr. Him, <laughs> you know, maybe him and the pool boy. <laughs> That's the thing about the conservative Christians is that they can. All that matters is that you believe Jesus died for your sins. Uh, that's a pretty low bar. You know, you don't have to live it, but for them, that's that's the only prerequisite to get into heaven. To me, it's just bizarre. I think it's a great deal. I think it's a fantastic deal. It means you really just don't have to do anything other than believe something that someone else told you. Exactly. You know? And that's it. Then you're saved. It's and then it, then it's all great. I mean, it's a very, it was a really clever sort of trick that they um, that they came up with. I think this was. Uh, this this was born out of this is the the ancient Greeks came up with this with this idea when they were quite, when they were they were trying to um, fit Christianity uh, within kind of Greek uh, Greek philosophy as well how would they combine the two and they came up with this idea that basically as long as you believe Jesus was the Son of God and accepted him as the Lord and Savior then you'd be fine, which is, I think, you know, a stunning deal. I mean, it's fantastic. It means you can do anything. Exactly. Let's talk about Trump's remarks about soldiers who have been killed in action. And I understand you have the Atlantic piece in front of you. There's a piece by uh, Jeffrey Goldberg that came out last week. 
Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll here's this is from the um, the Jeffrey Goldberg piece. This is came out on September third. Okay. So when Donald when President Donald Trump cancelled a visit to the Ain Mount American Cemetery near Paris in 2018, he blamed rain for the last minute decision, saying that the helicopter couldn't fly and that the Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. Neither claim was true. Trump rejected the idea of the visit because he feared his hair would become dishevelled in the rain and because he did not believe it's important to honour American war dead, according to four people with first-hand knowledge of the discussion that day. In a conversation with senior staff members on the morning of the scheduled visit, Trump said, Why should I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers. In a separate conversation on the same trip, Trump referred to the more than 1,800 Marines who lost their lives at Bellu Wood as suckers for getting killed. You know, I wish I could say... I'm surprised, but based on what Trump has said in public about people like John McCain and the Gold Star Khan family, I'm just not surprised. This is all totally believable, and I believe the reporting, but I wish the people who were acting as sources for this would just come out, you know, and just and put their name to it, whether it's, I don't know if it's John Kelly or H.R. McMaster or Jim Mattis. I, I wish these folks would put their names to this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would do some good. Maybe, again, you know, with the Trump supporters, it's not going to do anything. Uh, it doesn't matter. Whoever, whoever says anything bad about Trump has to be a hater and a loser as well. So, you know, even people who Trump hired, right? So when Trump hires them, they're the best. He hires the best people. He only hires the best people, right? But as soon as they leave Trump, they were losers, and uh, they begged Trump for, to come work for him, et cetera, et cetera. So... Uh, he's in this convenient place where basically whatever Trump says as being true or false is what is true and false, according to, to, to Trump supporters. So, so as long as Trump denies it, it, it's, it can't be true. Right. And as long as he says it's true, then it's true. So I don't know if this moves the needle on any Trump supporters. I think it could have some effect with independents and, and moderates. I think that that, you, you know, you're going to see that anyway. I think that the independents and moderates will be, you know, some of them are going to be pissed off about this, you know, because they'll believe there is some truth to it. Because Trump has already, as you said, Trump has already insulted veterans and, and war heroes. Right. He, he, he's done that publicly and made no bones about it at all. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it would be nice for someone to come on the record, but you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. No, no, we've learned not to do that. Uh, we would have <laughs> we would have asphyxiated ourselves a long time ago if we had done that. But one of the more striking things about this piece, the, the basic gist of it is that sources just a source for the Atlantic story just came to conclude that Trump, quote, simply does not understand non-transactional life choices, end quote. For for Trump, you know, he asked what's in what was in it for them? Right. Like what were how are they going to benefit personally by joining the military and going to fight in this war overseas? Like Trump does not he doesn't understand doing something because of reasons bigger than himself. He is a malignant narcissist. And for the malignant narcissist, that's all that matters. It's 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 just immediate gratification. It's just you know, this is the id presidency. I I want satisfaction now. I want what I want now. I don't care what other people want. And that's all it is. And so this this is why it is completely unsurprising, totally believable. Every claim in this piece is completely believable because we've we've seen this type of behavior out in public. 
Yeah, and of course, you know, the, all the Trump, all the pro-Trump um, contingency, the, his supporters and all the people in his administration are, are out there denying it. But, I mean, you know, does this guy have any credibility left whatsoever? I mean, there's there's just nothing he says that you can believe anymore. So the fact that he's denying it is, is, is you know, it's pretty, to me, that's evidence that he did it. You know, I just assume that whatever Trump is say, says is a lie. Yeah, so whatever he says is the, the, almost always the opposite is true, you know. So, I mean, here we are, you know. Like again, it's really it is obviously very frustrating. I'm I'm having actually like a there's there's a raging Facebook debate that I'm a part of um, uh, that I've been spending far too much time getting involved in this week uh, with a Trump supporter. I I can't you know I, I have very little time for most of them, but this this guy seems to be somewhat intelligent and he's arguing on on um, a friend of mine's page about a lot of this stuff you know is this true what's true what's not true you know he he was t- telling me that trump won hundreds of millions of votes in 2016 the, the, first of all uh, i think it was about 63 million people who voted for trump in 2016 not hundreds of millions of people uh, and then he you know he made the claim that he was part of the silent majority and the silent majority were going to win in uh, again in november um, and I asked, you know, one of my questions was to him was that how can you be if if less people voted for Trump than voted for Hillary Clinton, how does that make you a, 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 a the silent part of a majority in 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 any world, right? And then it was, you know, then he showed, you know, then it was he put a map of America with more red states than blue states, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, land doesn't vote, right? <laughs> it's population right it's people so and, and he didn't you know another thing he said was that the only um candidate running for president who has a credible accusation of sexual assault is joe biden other than the 25 women who've been credibly who've credibly accused trump of sexual assault so it's like having an argument with some someone from a different genuinely living on another planet right who's just not reading anything that you're reading who doesn't who who thinks that everything that you're reading is fake and false and not true and everything that they're reading from Fox news and Breitbart and, um, you know, right wing hate radio is, is true. So it's very strange. It's very strange and frustrating situation. You can't agree on basic facts of reality. This is cult like behavior. This is how you get Jonestown. And this is how you get, uh, the, the hail bop comet people. I learned long ago, just to stop trying. You cannot reason with Trump's base because, like you said, they're living in an alternate reality. So if you can't agree on basic facts, or let me rephrase that. If they can't see what basic reality is and refuse to acknowledge it, there's no getting through to them. There's absolutely no getting through to them whatsoever. So I save myself a lot of headaches and I just don't engage because those people are gone yeah yeah I, I i agree i agree that they're gone it's just it's strange when you cut when you when you find one who's sort of vaguely intelligent you know who, who's not complete who's not a complete idiot and is willing to actually discuss issues with you you know so so this guy you know he was willing to discuss the discuss discuss issues uh but yet he's just I don't, you know, I, I did it as a sort of a social experiment. You know, I, I, I had no sort of, I didn't believe I was going to convert him or anything like that, but I genuinely wanted to kind of see what his thought process was. 
and and it, I mean, it just again, it, it, it's shocking. It really is shocking to like find someone who genuinely doesn't understand what what a fact is, what evidence is. You know, when when um, if if you say something that's not true, that is, you know, that it that that means something. That if you if you lie about stuff, that that's a that's a problem. But he didn't amazingly seem to sort of didn't seem to compute it's a str- I, I don't you know i still don't get i still just have a hard time understanding it you know as a human being uh from one you know if you're if you're even half, halfway intelligent there, there must be i always think that there must be some common ground but i think they're just yeah like you said they're compl- they're too far gone now very far gone and i understand the urge to want to have a dialogue with them and try to mm. persuade them and after all we are living in the post enlightenment era Right. So we sh- we want to think that we should be able to reason with people and agree on facts, but we just can't anyway. So just just getting back to Trump's attacks on on soldiers and, and those who are killed and, and wounded, I will caution Joe Biden and the Democrats against making this election mostly about Trump's character. I mean, certainly that's going to be part of it. It has to be part of it. But over focusing on his character as a campaign issue, I. We saw this in 2016. It did not work. You know, people already know Trump is a garbage human, and a lot of voters either don't care about that or they actually like this feature about him. Um, so, character, it can certainly be an issue and be part of a, an effective campaign. But at the end of the day, he, Biden is going to have to present a vision and bite sized policy prescriptions that are popular and that will voter voters will associate with him right trump yeah. won in part well just just one sec trump won in part because he wouldn't shut up about the wall and nafta and bringing jobs back from overseas and clinton didn't really run on i know she ran on issues right but thinking back to to Four years ago, like I can't really think of any signature policy issues that she was promoting. And I'm I just don't want Biden to fall into that same trap about over focusing on on Trump's character. And and Biden has done a good job in, in conveying empathy and and all of this stuff. And and he has provided, you know, a positive vision, like, you know, we're better than this and stuff like more of that, more of that. Just don't don't get caught up in a trap where you're focusing almost exclusively on Trump's character, because I don't think that's a winning formula. No, I think I think that's right. You know, and I think that one of the things that Trump was was and is very, very good at is he's very good at branding stuff, right? He's very good at these sort of bite sized um, slogans, you know what I mean? You know, build the wall. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a sort of, uh, yeah, it's a uh, anti-immigrant, racist, um, fascist monument that he wants to put up, you know, for his own vanity. Uh, but nevertheless, like, it's it's simple, right? You remember it, right? Even like MAGA, make America great again, right? It's like he has these simple sort of slogans that, that resonate with his base, with his not very bright base and i think that the democrats have always struggled to do that until obama came along and obama you know hope and change right real simple but people kind of got it like okay we've had eight years of george w bush like want to change you know hope and change that sounds nice let's do that uh so i think that biden you know has to really now right you're right you know narrow that down over the next coming 
uh, months or a couple of well actually eight weeks now uh, exactly eight weeks till till election day or two months rather uh, so yeah i think i think that's 100 percent right and i think his policy prescriptions have to be whittled down to bite-sized sort of slogans again he has to you know what are you what are you offering are you, what, what are you offering are you save the aca you know that could be one save the aca there could be other ones keep america's jobs at home or something you know anything literally any anything anything build green jobs or you know more green jobs something like that whatever you know jobs for everyone and just keep repeating it over and over and over and over again because i think that you know one of the the area that 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 biden is a little bit weaker than trump on at the moment is is the economy still for some reason americans still believe that trump would be better for the economy than biden Right. There's extensive polling that shows that Americans trust Trump on the economy more than they do Joe Biden. Right. Because I think the American public has sort of been trained over many, many decades to uh, believe that whatever the stock market is doing uh, is what the is an is a real indicator of, of how the economy is doing. Right. And that cutting taxes is good for growth. So, you know, and, and they've media commentators repeat this almost verbatim you know you raise taxes is bad for the economy right you you um uh you know deficits are bad even though republicans are running up giant deficits at the moment trump's running running up a monumental deficit um they you know they pretend to be the party of fiscal discipline etc etc when they're not but they they have a sort of brand image that that of of being that party of being the party of kind of responsible economics and biden has to chip away at that he really 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 has to um, make some headway there to ensure that um you know uh trump doesn't all he needs to do is eat into trump's lead on the economy just by a bit he needs to move the needle a bit and he's gonna he's gonna get this you know, and I think he's doing a good, you know, generally speaking, like, you know, uh, I think Biden is doing a pretty, the Biden t- campaign is doing a, a good job. You know, I don't have that many complaints, uh, but I will be interested to see what they do over the next few weeks as they, as, as we, you know, head into November, because it's going to be absolutely crucial. Yeah, I don't know of any presidential election winner in American history that won because they weren't the other candidate. I think every person has every winning candidate has had to give people a reason to vote for them, you know, not vote for them as opposed to against the other person. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that the Biden campaign probably understands this, you know, um, I, it, it seems that I think uh, what, what's the Biden's campaign manager's name? Um John O'Malley Dillon, I think her name is. Yes. Yeah, and I think she's pretty smart. And I think that, you know, um, they get it. And Biden, I mean, you saw Biden's fundraising numbers. Right, he raised like $360 million or something like that. Yeah, that's extraordinary. That's an extraordinary number. That's the high, I think that's the biggest month in, pre, in campaign history. No one's ever raised that amount of money in a month, ever. Yeah, that, it, yeah, it's staggering. It's staggering. The the thing I will say is that Trump is a master at getting earned media. You know, that is free media coverage. We saw it in 2016. Hillary outspent him, and at the end of the day, it didn't matter. But yes, right. that that is that is quite a haul. 
and I hope, I really hope that my informal model for a losing Democratic candidate uh, no longer holds in November, because you may recall one of the first episodes might have been the first episode where I, I warned, and this was before COVID, we really got into the swing of COVID. And maybe COVID has, has changed the paradigm here. I hope it has. I hope it causes people to realize what an incompetent dunce Trump is, and that leads them to vote against him. But Biden fits that profile of losing Democratic presidential candidates who has been around a long time. They're a longtime establishment figure, and they're nominated basically because it's their turn. It's, they're familiar. It's okay, okay, this person's been around for a while. Let's nominate them. And then those people end up losing. Hillary Clinton in 2016, John Kerry in 2004, Gore in 2000. You can go back to Mondale. Uh, and on and on. I hope that this is the one where uh, that that pattern no longer holds, because I got to tell you, and I'll just I'll say it again. I can't do this for another four years. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, you know, who who, who knows? It's, it's difficult to say. I mean, the thing is with Trump, it's a complete Trump is a complete anomaly. So it's not like much of conventional wisdom holds anymore. You know, you, we just don't know that there are so many variables that we just, we can't really understand, you know, that, I mean, the, the, one of the reasons why the 2016, I mean, look, I, I think the 2016 election was, we, we always forget that, that, um, that basically, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton, she, she won the popular vote by a significant mar margin, right? It wasn't like there were less Americans who voted for her. You know, they, she she lost the contest because she lost in swing states and she lost in swing states by very, very, very small mar margins. Right. Trump tr Trump managed to pull out. I mean, it was basically a, a miracle, like what Trump did. It was it was kind of, you know, he won by a few thousand votes in all the states that he needed to flip. You know, uh, so and, yeah. and if you go, if you go back even to like, I mean, the, like even if you go back to 2004, right, I, I, I was actually researching, researching something for a piece I'm going to be writing um, for 2004. I think there's the significant evidence that the Republicans basically stole the election in 2004, right, that they, they the, the 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 in Ohio, right, the voting machines were basically rigged. Um, and and handed the election to George W. Bush, whereas it's it's likely that John Kerry actually probably won Ohio, and would have won the election. That's quite so, an accusation you're making. This is a Christ listen, Vanity Fair, Christopher Hitchens, um, a, a fantastic piece in in, in Vanity Fair, um, that that lays out in very very compelling ways um, um, the all the vote all the discrepancies with the the I think it was the Diebold uh, voting machines. Right. So this is an old piece you're talking about. This is an old piece. This is this is an old piece. But there were some serious anomalies in 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 um in the way in in the results from from these machines in 2004. Very very serious anomalies. Uh, and in, in every case, the anomalies favoured Bush. All of them. This there's there's this notion that um that you know Democrats are losers and they can't beat Republicans. The fact is is that. The, the system is essentially rigged. The, first of all, the system is rigged anyway. The Electoral College was basically designed to keep the power in the hands of rural white elites, right, or men, right? So the system is designed for, for them to, to stay in power and keep power. So no. I, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, the, the Democrats are fi basically fighting uh, a, a system that's designed to to um, make it harder for them to win. Uh, number one, number two, and they do, and they basically keep winning, right? Or they keep, you know, um, two thousand in two thousand. I mean, uh, uh, Bush what lost the popular vote. He did lose the popular vote, and it's, you know, 2004, that is the only time from 1992 on where a Republican has won more votes in the presidential election than their opponent. So I, I agree with you that the Electoral College was designed to keep keep power in, in that demographic's hands, right, like the, the, these elites. But mm. I will also argue that the Electoral College, as it was envisioned by the framers of the Constitution, it was designed to keep people like Donald Trump out of office. Yes. yes very, they're very clear about this. If you read the Federalist Papers on the executive branch and if you read the notes taken by James Madison at the 1787 Constitutional Convention, they were concerned about demagogues getting into office and it's why it's why the president was not to be elected by popular vote it's why the senators at the time were not to be elected by popular vote instead the senators were chosen by the state legislatures up until the early 20th century but the president would be chosen they envisioned by this small group of electors that Yes, they would be a little political, but they would still put the good of the country over their own interests, and they would select the person they felt was best responsible for the job, okay, and not the demagogue. And that's that's the one thing that they, they were concerned about. They were concerned about candidates that would inflame people's passions, basically – you know, convince them to vote for them and then just go r run roughshod over the rule of law. So, yeah, in a way you are right, but also like this is the type of person that was never supposed to be anywhere near the White House and the Electoral College just, ha it has never worked as the framers envisioned it. And the result is we have a president who is grossly unfit for office. But Enough talk about how the Constitution has failed us. Donald Trump really wants us to know that he's perfectly healthy. Ben, what's this about? Uh, this is according to Donald Trump. This is the tweet that he put out. He said, it never ends. Now they're trying to say that your favorite president, me, went to Walter Reed Medical Center having suffered a series of mini-strokes. Never happened to this candidate. Fake news. Perhaps they are referring to another candidate from another party. So this is Trump tweeted this out um, a few days ago. Uh, what this was about was about um, there was a, a, a new book by New York Times correspondent Michael Schmidt um, who reports that Vice President Pence was put on standby after a Trump's unexpected trip to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center last year, summoned in uh, 2019. So no one said anything about a mini stroke, but Trump tweeted about it. Trump said, you know, it, it, he said, uh, how, saying I had suffered a series of mini strokes. Obviously, yeah, well, it seems pretty clear to me that he probably had a series of mini strokes, um, given he's volunteering the information that no one else has asked for, no one else made any mention of.
Right. So, I mean, who, like, who knows? Right. It's hard to know anything with, with, with Donald Trump. But yeah, this is, uh, <clears throat> you know, I want to see the medical records personally. I want to see how, whether there's any truth to this story. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's quite surprising that he made a, a trip for two and a half hours to the military medical center when <clears throat> almost all medical needs um, can be met at the White House. Apparently, there is extremely advanced uh, healthcare facilities in, in the White House. So if you're going to a hospital, if the president needs to go to a hospital, like it's probably pretty serious. It probably needs some, you know, fairly serious um, attention. And he went for two and a half hours. So two and a half hours when you're, you know, in, a man in his 70s, like, yeah, that's a significant amount of time to be spending at the doctors. So who knows? I mean, my guess is that, yeah, he probably, he's probably had a series of mini strokes, like he says in his tweets. Two and a half hours. And you know he was being seen that whole time. You know he wasn't in the waiting room leafing through the pages of People magazine waiting to be called. Like you said, no one that I saw raised the prospect of mini strokes. And then he starts talking about mini strokes. I mean, we've we've reached a point where Trump, if if he makes a claim and if you don't know whether it's true or not, you you just have to assume that it's false or that the opposite is true. Right. So here he is denying yeah. this thing outright. And like, it's just so the guy is just so untrustworthy, but who knows? Um, I do think it's irresponsible for people to come out and say, yes, he definitely had a stroke Uh, when we don't know why he suddenly went to Walter Reed. Politically, it makes sense to stoke the stroke rumor, if you will, because Trump has made mental and physical fitness an issue in this election. But personally, I don't care if Trump had a stroke. Unless Trump is dead or incapacitated from said stroke, I don't care because there is nothing that could afflict Trump that could make him more unfit than he already is. You know, if you heard that another a rumor about another president like this, you'd say, well, I, I hope the president's OK. I hope he's still all there with Trump. We know he's not all there. He's he's gone. He's out to lunch. He, not only is he out, out to lunch, he's got like a full picnic. He's got like his picnic blanket. He's got his picnic basket. He's got his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. This guy, he is out to lunch and he's gone. No condition can afflict him that will make him more unfit. Right. I mean, I mean, look, if he, if he had a stroke and had to take some time off, it would be better for the country. You know, I mean, you want you don't want this guy focusing on the job. You don't want this guy to be fully alert and healthy. The more alert and healthy Trump is, the more trouble the country's in, the more dangerous this guy is. So, you know, you want him to be out of commission, you know, at all times. You know, the more time he's spending tweeting and the, and the more time he's watching Fox News and playing golf. To be honest with you, like from a sort of... Uh, national security point of view the country's safer because he's not doing his job you don't you actively don't want this guy to do his job that being said right you know he's constantly questioned biden's fitness told, asked biden to release his iq or his, or his um, cognitive assessment tests uh <clears throat> so yeah you know trump let, let's see your test mr trump i want to see what happened why exactly did you go to walter reed medical center you know, let, let, let's let's see the papers let's see what why you were there you know, I want to, I want to hear from the doctor. Um, yeah, Trump has denied everything, of course. Um, but you know, I, I, like you said, uh, 
you sort of always assume that the opposite of what he's saying is true. But I think it's interesting that he was so specific about a mini stroke, which leads me to believe that that's probably what happened. You know, right? You know, obviously it's irresponsible to say this definitely happened, but with Trump, you always have to read between the lines. Like he's a he's he's a child basically, so you have to kind of look at his overall patterns of behaviour to to really try to figure out what he's actually saying. What is what does Trump actually mean? When he says something, what does he actually mean? You know, and you have to read between the lines always. Okay? So that means which means you can never, ever, ever take anything he says um at face value, ever. I'd love to see a trade Biden's medical test results for Donald Trump's tax return. I would love to see that trade. Like whatever is in Biden's medical history probably nowhere near is just horrifying and shocking and outrageous as what is in Donald Trump's tax returns. But I'd like to switch gears to COVID for a bit. It's the pandemic that the United States apparently has got. Yeah, that old chestnut where we still have about a thousand Americans dying every day from COVID-19. That's a 9-11 every 72 hours, basically. And people are dying needlessly in part because of this administration's awful handling of the pandemic and Republican governors in a lot of cases who just did not take this seriously. They took the president's lead, just like a lot of citizens took the president's lead. We've heard many people say, I don't wear a mask because Trump doesn't wear the mask. So, you know, who knows how many people have needlessly died because Trump and his enablers in in Congress and in the governor's mansions have just really failed to grab the bull by the horns. And you had Larry Kudlow at the RNC talking about the pandemic in in the past tense, like it's over. It's, but it's not over. You know, I mentioned 9-11. 9-11 was probably the most dramatic moment in American history that was ever caught on live television. We watched the second plane hit the South Tower on live TV and then watched as both towers burned until they collapsed and 3,000 people were dead. The government response to that was swift, and it was also dramatic, for better and worse, This because that's what the citizens demanded. They said, we need to go after the people responsible. We need to improve airport security. We need to make sure this doesn't keep happening. The pandemic is not so dramatic. We've got 190,000 or so dead Americans. That's 63 9-11s and counting. And so just imagine a scenario where the U.S. intelligence community becomes aware of imminent terrorist plots to hijack commercial airliners once a day and fly them into buildings and about 1,000 people are going to die per hit, okay? The government would order all planes grounded until these terrorist cells are taken out. No questions asked. And if the government didn't do that, If their only response was to beef up airport security, only to have the hijacks and the attacks keep happening, people would be actively demanding that planes be grounded. But when it comes to this pandemic, a lot of people are willing to tolerate a 9-11 every three days if it means they can go back to life as usual. And I'm not saying we shut down the whole country. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I just... You, you know, you see people, you know, you, you go to the grocery store. Some people, they're still not using masks. They're, they're not social distancing outside. They're, they're you know, they're, they're holding weddings and not social distancing. They're just not being smart about it. And it's because of these people. And, and it's, again, it starts at the top. This is why 
we are where we are. Well, also, well, also, I mean, Rudy Giuliani wouldn't shut up. He did, literally didn't shut up about it for 15 years. I mean, any time you, you interviewed Rudy Giuliani, he he would talk about 9-11. That was all he would talk about. You know, he then he made an made a career out of you know the the, the 9-11 president and uh, you know, started his own security company and whatnot. You know, made millions and millions and millions out of this. Took every opportunity possible to make everything about 9-11, right? And national security. But apparently this this is there's no nothing no national security problems here as well. Like it's fine. Like everyone can just travel around as normal, uh, and it's okay. I mean, it's completely crazy, right? Like the, the sort of the priorities of uh, <clears throat> particularly Republicans. You know, as long as they can tie it something, but if if it's politically advantageous to them, right? Like you, you know, like a terrorist attack was was a gave them the pretext to go and smash up the Middle East and take the oil. But what does this give them a pretext to do? I, it, it, there is no pretext, right? They, they they get nothing out of this virus other than having to behave like responsible adults, which they are incapable of doing, you know, completely incapable of behaving responsibly. So when it actually matters, when it, there's something really, you know, serious that happens, you know, the chance of a terrorist attack is absolutely infinitesimally small. Uh, it's not to say that you shouldn't prepare for it accordingly. You shouldn't take everything very, very seriously, like airport security. Uh, but right, you, like you say, the measures they took after that, in the wake of that, as compared to what they've done now, it's, it's ridiculous. One of Joe Biden's greatest lines about Rudy Giuliani, or about anything, was Rudy Giuliani, a typical sentence for him consists of a noun and a verb and a mention of 9-11. And it was so true. But yeah, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, on 9-11, you could point to 19 brown guys, right? Part of an organization consisting of other brown guys. And of course, Republicans are going to do something. You know, the Republican president was going to do something about that. Of course, people were going to get behind it because there there was, you know, further attacks to be prevented. And yes, there was revenge to be had. And there's no revenge factor here because the virus, it doesn't it doesn't have a will. It's, ju it's just a fact of life. And instead of taking the the requisite 9-11 level actions necessary against coronavirus, we've just shrugged our shoulders and decided that we're done with it. And maybe if they had named this thing Mohammed 19 instead of COVID-19, the Republicans would have been more inclined to act. Yeah, I mean, they tried to politicize. I mean, they did try the whole China thing, but I think, you know, it didn't last very long because it was such a such an appalling disaster. They screwed up the response so badly that Trump, try, you know, it's amazing how he's like lost control of the narrative on this. He keeps trying to change the narrative. He, you know, he called it the Chinese virus. And now he's pretending it's not happening. I mean, you know, everything Trump does to try to avoid taking responsibility for this has kind of fallen flat on his face. Which I think is interesting because it's so bad a screw up. You know, he's trying literally everything, and his entire campaign strategy going forward is based on pretending COVID ha didn't hasn't happened or it's over, right? And you know that he's actually done a fantastic job, and that's all you can say about it. You know, it's like the testing thing, right? You know, we'd have lower lower positive cases if we had less testing. I mean, that's literally what you know. This is the way this guy thinks. It's it's completely moronic. But yeah, he, unfortunately for for Trump, this is going. This is the defining issue of this campaign: how he's responded to a deadly pandemic. And thus far, I don't know, what would you give him out of ten? What's your or what what letter grade would you give? Uh, would you give Trump generous? Be generous. A Q. 
<laughs> can I give him a cue? <laughs> a cue, a cue, like Q anon. Oh, Q and oh, interesting segue. Interesting oh yeah. Segue. Oh, was that? Oh, Mike, is that some code word to some of your followers? Is that I don't know. Are you are you signaling something there? Yes, I, I'm QAnon, and I am telling all QAnon people to stay home on election day and don't vote by mail either. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> best but, thing, the best thing you can do, the best thing you can do to get Trump elected is to not show up at the ballot. Right, exactly. So, but speaking of QAnon, and that I totally did not uh, mean for that to be a segue, but so be it. QAnon is going to get, in all likelihood, its first member of the House of Representatives. And that's because a little while ago, Marjorie Taylor Greene won the Republican nomination for the 14th Congressional District in Georgia, and she's in a very red district. So chances are she's, she's basically going to Congress. She posted a photo on Facebook on Friday of her holding a rifle juxtaposed with a photo of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib. And the post said, the squad's worst nightmare. Now, Facebook removed the post because obviously, but this is just assassination innuendo. This, this is not okay. It's basically saying that uh, I'm not afraid to take a gun to these three prominent members of Congress who just happen to be women of color. Yeah, it's weird that, right? It's weird that they're all minority women. I, you know, it, I wonder why, you know, I, I, you know, probably it's just a coincidence, I would say. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, definitely. But look, Democrats need to make this woman uh, and just tie her around the neck of every Republican in Congress and Trump and make them just wear her like a rotting albatross. You know, put it around Kevin McCarthy's neck, around Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Trump, whoever you want, and just tell people, hey, you're, they're the QAnon party now. Make her the face of the GOP. Make her a household name like Republicans try to do with AOC and other people in the squad. Marjorie Taylor Greene, MTG, just keep saying that name and let people know that this is where the Republican Party is at. This is what they produce, and that's batshit crazy candidates and members of Congress who think Democrats and Hollywood elites are, you know, running a global pedophile ring. And they believe that Trump is is being helped by Q to route out this this global pedophile ring. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And in case you're wondering how people in northern Georgia can nominate this woman and send her to Congress, because they probably will, just go watch the movie Deliverance and pretend it's a documentary. Dueling banjos, crossbows, the occasional forcible sodomy, it's all there. Once you watch Deliverance and, and act like it's a, it's a documentary, it all makes sense because that takes place in, in rural Georgia, up in the north there. So completely on brand. Is there an argument to be made that um, you know, we, we, start to think, we, we seriously start thinking about dividing the states up? To I'm divide all for the it. states. Divide the states up, you know, they can call themselves the United States of America, call them whatever they want, right? Whatever you want. You call it America, call it United States of America. But the rest of the blue states, we, we just do go somewhere else. We call it something else. At this point, the fact that we have to, that, that this is now, this woman could be a mainstream politician is absolutely terrifying. In what, in what, this is not a country that I, 
I don't know. I don't recognise this. I don't. I don't. You know. I mean, America's always been slightly batshit crazy, but this is really batshit crazy. This is on another level of insanity. You know, adrenochrome. The celebrities drinking the adrenaline glands of of dead children. I mean, it's absolutely. You've heard that one, right? The adrenochrome one. Yes, I have. I yeah, mean, so, mad. Yeah, it's it's insane. I'm I'm of two minds with this. Obviously. I would have no problem with like us out here in California seceding, right? And just be it just be done with this insanity. Same thing, I'm sure there's a lot of people in New England and New York that would want to break off and just go form their their own country. On the other hand, if if that happens, you imagine what like the rest of the United States would look like. You would imagine what like a country consisting just of southern states, for example, look like. It, it would be handmaid's tale. Within 20 years, <laughs> or maybe yeah, within I mean, 20 years. Look, what you do is you offer amnesty to um, to Democrats. Anyone who who's a blues, you know, who supports uh, the Democrats, uh, they can cut, they can move. You know, they, they could be some sort of um, you know easy repair, like you know, low interest loan or a grant or whatever you could have to move your family to a, to the neighboring state that's a blue state. Uh, you could start all sorts of programs to get democrats out of red states you know it'd be pretty good and just look leave them to it leave them to it you want donald trump as your president you want to keep electing this guy to multiple terms because he's such a great leader you can keep him that's fine you want to listen to sean you want to listen to sean hannity all day tucker carlson cool right but in the blue states in what's left over you start to crack down on this stuff no fox news universal health care you know, you teach science in schools. You can't teach creationism, that kind of stuff. I, I say do it. I mean, at this point, the culture war is so stark, right? There's such a divide between the left and the right in, in the United States right now that I don't really see a way back. And the QAnon thing, the QAnon party, QAnon is taking over the GOP, right? And and this is this is the the future of the GOP is QAnon. Speaking of secessions, I occasionally wonder. If Lincoln had let the South go, at what point would the Confederacy have outlawed slavery, if ever? Like, I think about this a lot, and I would love for some historians out there to do, like, an in-depth study, alternate history, like, okay, the South is allowed to secede, then what? Like, at what point do they get rid of slavery? Is it like 1880s, like Brazil? Is it like 1920? Is it 1990? I think they'd still be there. I'd think at least be the 1920s. You know, I mean, you've got to you've got to think about now. Like, would would if slavery was legal now, right? Would anybody in the Trump, like, no Trump supporter would would be for banning slavery? You know, if you if you were to kind of put the Trump party back in in the 1800s. Oh, I mean, yeah. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, if you, yeah, if you, like, transplanted them back, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, right, exactly. I mean, the, the, these people are crazy, you know. But I say, look, give them their own country. No no black people, like, no black person is going to want to live that, you know, almost no one. Most minorities, I would say, would be, would be, uh, and it's fine. They can, they, it, it would be like deliverance. They could have a whole little state, to, a whole little country to themselves, like deliverance. Be a deliverance nation, 
you know, play their banjos and do yeah, fine. I just don't want to have anything to do with it. Listen, I don't travel. I live in, in uh, Maryland, right near to DC. Uh, I don't like to travel too far away from my where I live. Like, I'm not a fan of going too far too far away from that. It's kind of it gets kind of scary. The further away you get from, the further you go into Trump country, the crazier it is. Yeah, I, I don't plan on taking any trips to rural Georgia anytime soon. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about rural Maryland is pretty bad. Rural, and if rural Maryland is bad, I can't even begin to think what rural Georgia is like. No, thank you. And on, and on that lovely note, I think uh, on that lovely note, I think we'll call that call that a day. Um, apologies to all banter listeners, all banter podcast listeners who live in rural Georgia or rural anywhere with around lots of Trump supporters. I'm sure the part of the country you live in is lovely, uh, other than the Trump supporters. And uh, apologies, I don't mean we don't mean to discriminate here in the banter. We're like urbanite elites over here. Yeah, we are. I mean, just... you're a San Francisco liberal, and I'm a basically a DC swamp person. So, I'm a San Francisco liberal that used to be a Manhattan liberal that used to be a Boston liberal. So, yes, ah. I I am one of those coastal elites that just loves sneering at flyover country. No, <laughs> but that's but that's who that's that's who they depict us as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's some truth to it. So, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm. I like to own. I like to own my elitism. I like fancy coffee shops. You know, I read the Washington Post, and I like kind of like, you know, nice coffee shops. So I don't mind too much. I make my own coffee. <laughs> well, now I make my own coffee. Yeah, I haven't gone out for coffee for for about seven months now. So, but I look forward to getting back to my elitist ways and going and uh, getting a coffee and reading reading the Washington Post and the New York Times all in one sitting with oat, <laughs> with oat milk as well with vegan oat milk. Uh, you lost me there. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, listen. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you would like to get two month free trial. Um, at the banter you can click on the link below where you get two months free all premium content uh, delivered straight to your inbox it'd be great uh, you're helping supporting the banter and uh, helping pro- you know fund everything we do so it's really appreciated um, mike anything else from you my friend wear a mask social distance vote and uh, don't be a jerk don't be a joke love it all right thanks everyone